This is the Gospel of Luke, starting in chapter 5 and verse 1. Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listened to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gisinaret, and he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of the fish which they had taken. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Mike. You guys have a seat. Uh, man, I really enjoyed reading through that story this week and uh, just really thinking about the sort of some of the implications we get out of this story. I think you guys are going to enjoy it uh, this morning, not because it's from me, but because it's from God's Word and such an interesting little simple story about Peter's kind of initial introduction to Jesus. Um, most scholars do believe that he, he probably met Jesus before this and seen him around a little bit, but this was the first time that Peter really gets to engage with Jesus. Over the next five weeks, um, we're going to be in this series called Jesus Changes Everything. And um, what we actually are doing is we're kind of matching up with our VBS uh, series this year. And anybody serving at VBS, you're going to hear some of these lessons again, talk to the kids. But we're really looking at the person of Peter and we're going to kind of follow his journey with Jesus and just look at how, man, meeting Jesus and knowing Jesus really does change everything for us. It changes our lives, it changes our perspectives, it changes who we are as a person. And Peter is maybe the, the best example of that in Scripture, a person that spends some time closely with Jesus and how we just see Jesus so radically change everything about him. Um, so I'm excited to, to jump into that with you guys uh, for the next few weeks. Let's pray together, and then let's, let's jump in. Lord, we love you, and thank you, God, for your word. And I do pray that you would just teach us this morning, um, surprise us this morning. We might have heard this story a million times, but just let us see something maybe we haven't seen before hear something we haven't heard before and, and know what it looks like for us to follow you, to follow your son Jesus just the way that Peter does at the end of this story and to be amazed at his holiness. So help us to see Christ clearly in this story, God, and lead us in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, anybody here ever been to the uh, Kings Canyon Sequoia National Forest? Anybody ever been out there in California? Anybody? 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 Yeah, one person? Okay. Um, I brought a few pictures here. I want us to see some of these sequoia trees. Um, this is the General Sherman sequoia tree. That is the largest tree in the world right there. Um, absolute monster of a tree, well over 250 feet tall. Um, massive tree. If you ever go out to the Sequoia National Forest, that, that's one that um, you'll get to see and just kind of be marveled at. And another picture here just to kind of give us a scale of what this looks like if you're in this forest, right? Um, how massive these tree trunks are um, when you get up to them and you just see, man, you just feel like, like you can see these human beings right here, right? Like how monstrous the trunks. As you're, you can't, you, you really, if you're there, as you're kind of trying to see, like it's hard to even see the tops of these trees. You really have to be uh, pretty far back. And then I brought one more picture just to kind of give us a scale of these giant sequoia trees. Um, there's a normal apple tree. There's a 10-story building. And that is a giant sequoia tree. These trees can grow nearly 300 feet tall. 
about 30 feet across. By comparison, a normal Georgia pine is going to be 80 to 100 feet tall and, you know, three to five feet across, maybe. Um, so basically, if you were to stack up three or four of them on top of each other and put 10 of them side by side, that would be a sequoia tree. Okay, so go take one of those pine trees out there, stack up three high and put 10 of them beside each other. You got a sequoia tree. Um, they can weigh as much as 15 blue whales. Uh, one tree contains enough wood to build 120 houses. The first one ever cut down took three weeks. First one they ever cut down uh, took three. I think they had these kind of saws or maybe an axe. I don't know. Um, but it took three weeks to do it. They actually don't cut them down anymore because they're really not great for wood. They have bark that is three feet thick. That's ridiculous, right? Go pull a, a bark off one of the trees out there. It's like that, right? Like their bark is this thick. Fire actually helps them grow faster. Did y'all know that? When there's forest fires in these sequoia trees, they actually don't know if they die by natural causes. Like sometimes they'll fall over just from being so big, but really they just get bigger and they grow faster as they get older. And it's, it's just kind of crazy. Um, one tree would have enough leaves, about 2 billion leaves to give a leaf, uh, six leaves to every person in America from one tree. Right? Um, that's, that's just crazy how many, how many leaves are on these things. They can be up to 3,500 years old. Um, the oldest living one right now called the President, that's the oldest living sequoia tree called the President, it started growing about the time King David was born. Um, yeah, that's amazing, right? Like you can go look at these trees and see these massive, amazing things. Um, I remember when I was I don't know, maybe 1920, my now wife, then girlfriend, and another friend of ours, we traveled out to California to see some other friends, and we got to go uh, to the Sequoia National Forest in Kings Canyon. And I just remember driving back into there. It's, a, it's an amazing place as you kind of head back in. You're looking for these trees, right? You're just waiting to see the first one because you can see pictures. And y'all know this, right? If you've been to amazing places before where you just always say, like, the pictures don't do it, what? Justice, right? Like they just really don't. If you've ever seen a beautiful sunset, you took a picture of it, or seen some mountains and you took a picture of it, and then you show people, you always say that, don't you? You're always, ah, oh, the picture don't really do it justice. So you've seen pictures of these trees, but as you're driving back in there, you're just waiting to actually see one. And then when you see your first one, I remember coming around this corner and you see one. Like you just see one of these trees and you're just like, like imagine a, a tree with a trunk, you know what I mean? From that rug, like to here. And, and you're just looking at this thing, and it towers above you, 250 plus feet. And I remember we came around that corner, and uh, the girl, her name was uh, Ashley, Ashley McCart, actually, Melinda McCart's daughter. She was with us. She starts crying. Like, she just starts weeping, in the, which wasn't surprising for her, but she just starts crying at the sight of these trees. And we all jump out of the car, and I'm, I'm not kidding. Like, we just run up, and we, we just hugged it. Like, I'm not a tree-hugging person. We're just like, oh, my goodness. Like, and that's just people everywhere when you go into this forest. You see people hugging these trees, like, getting on either side, trying to just, you just want to be near it. You want to see it. Because it just amazes you when you see that. Today we're going to look at a story of Peter seeing Jesus for the first time, really. Like really seeing him. Again, I think he'd maybe met him before up until this point, but he hadn't really seen him. You know what I mean? Um, and Jesus throughout his ministry, he's really, he's revealing himself little by little to Peter, to John, to the apostles, to the crowds. Little by little, he's kind of showing people who he is. And this is the story where, just like kind of coming around that corner, you see this tree. This is the story where Peter, just for the first time, goes, okay, <laughs> I, I, I get it. I get it. The stories I've heard didn't do you justice, Jesus, but now I see you for who you are. And so, Verse 1 of Luke chapter 5, it says, Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and that's the Sea of Galilee, same place. Sea of Galilee, sea of Galilee with people crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge 
two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little ways from shore, put out a little from shore. So let's just pause there. So this is the Sea of Galilee. This is the scene of a lot of Jesus's miracles, actually, where, um, you know, Jesus you know, preaches a lot of sermons. He feeds 5,000 people, like all this. He walks on water. He calms the storm. Like this is all that region, right? Sea of Galilee. Jesus does a lot of miracles here, and this would be one of his miracles. So he gets up there. He sees some boats. He sits down in one of the boats. It belongs to Peter, and it says he, he just kind of asks Peter, hey, will you kind of row me out a little way so I can get offshore some, and then I can teach these crowds? Um, and, I, and I think this is an interesting moment for, for Peter because this is such a simple thing, right? Jesus just asks him. He doesn't tell him anything. He doesn't command him to do anything, right? He just asks him, Peter, will you kind of come into the boat with me and, and row me out a little bit so I can teach? It's a simple thing. Here, here's a question. I'm going to ask a few questions through this story today. What's a simple thing that Jesus may be asking you to do in your life right now? This is an invitation, right? This is, again, this is not Peter yet commanding, or Jesus yet commanding Peter to do anything. He's just asking. He's just inviting. What if Peter had been like, no, nah, I'm busy, you know? Like, no, I have other things going on. I'm washing my nets. Peter's done fishing for the day. He's heading on in, and yet and that Jesus says, hey, get back in your boat with me here. Will you row me out a little bit? It's a very simple thing. There's nothing dramatic about this moment yet. He's just like, hey, will you get in the boat with me and, and row me out? What if he'd said no? Is there something in your life right now, maybe just a simple thing, something really small, something seemingly insignificant that you know, even though it might feel insignificant at moments, that you know it's important enough that maybe that Jesus is sort of leading you to that. He's inviting you into something. And if there is, my encouragement would just be to simply say yes and step in that boat with Jesus, row out a little bit with him. Because Peter doesn't get to see what he sees next, right? If he doesn't say yes to that simple thing, that simple little invitation. Hey, hey Peter, will you row me out here? So let's look at uh, verse 4 and 5. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, so this is Peter. He's called Simon at this point. He's called Peter later. Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything but because you say so, I will let down the nets. And so Jesus has asked Peter to do the simple thing first, right? This one's different, isn't it? It's a little bit different the way Jesus' language changed. He, he's no longer asking Peter. He's telling Peter. He's actually giving Peter a command. Um, because if there's one thing that all men love, it's being told how to do their job, right? Peter loves that, I'm sure. Just like all you men love that, almost as much as you love being told how to grill a steak. You love these things. So Jesus, who's not a fisherman, who we, for all we know, really doesn't have any particular expertise at fishing. Peter is a man who spends his life on this lake, who just spent all night on this lake trying to catch fish. And it's Jesus who in this moment gives him a command. Hey, Peter, now I'm telling you to do something. Won't you row out a little bit further into the deep water and cast your nets out there? This really wasn't just about probability either, right? When, when he tells Peter that and Peter replies like, Master, we've been fishing all night. We didn't catch anything. This really isn't about probability. It's possibility. 
This is a possible kind of thing. Like when Peter is hearing this, he's thinking this isn't just improbable. This is pretty much impossible. And here's why. Because Peter fished at night, it seemed like, at least in this time, he was fishing at night. And the reason you fished at night with the nets that he had, because you could go into the shallow water at night. The fish would come in the shallow water at night and your nets could reach down to the bottom and and pick up fish, right? That was normal. That was common for them. During the day, the fish would go out into the deep water. So they were out there. The problem was your nets couldn't get down there. Right? That he didn't have nets that would be able to reach down that far. And so Peter's just thinking, Jesus, like we can go out into the deep water. My nets can't go down there where the fish actually are. They would go down deep during the day to stay cool, right? We can't catch fish out here. Peter knows how to fish, right? And Jesus, the guy who's a carpenter and a rabbi, telling him how to do his job. But Jesus, again, this is an invitation to Peter to to trust him. He's literally going deeper with Peter here, right? He's literally going deeper, not just the water, but the relationship. That he's already asked him the simple thing. Let, let me just sit in your boat. I'm going to teach for a little bit. And now he's asking him something harder. Now he's asking him something deeper. So for us, right? Uh, maybe there are simple things that Jesus is kind of asking you to do in your life, but maybe there's a little bit more difficult things that Jesus is commanding you to do, to start doing, to stop doing. What do you need to be obedient to Jesus in, right? It's a simple question. And Peter, in this moment, has a choice to make. Am I going to be obedient to this? Like, how do I see Jesus? What do I believe about Jesus, right? Uh, Because, again, Peter could brush him off. Peter could do his own thing, but he decides, okay, um, I feel like I know what I'm doing. We didn't catch any fish during the night, but what does he say? He says, master, right? He calls him master. Master, we've worked on that. So he recognizes at least Jesus is some sort of authority. He's heard him teach maybe heard about some of the things he's already sort of done, and now he's, okay, well, I, I, I at least have a level of belief in you that you are some kind of authority, and so, Master, I'll do what you say. That's what he, that's what he says. It kind of reminds me of um, Ezekiel 37. Y'all know the story of the Valley of Dry Bones? Ezekiel 37, one of my favorite Old Testament stories, a neat story where um, Ezekiel is taken by God into this valley, sort of sees this vision of all these bones on the, on the floor of this valley, just thousands of bones everywhere. And God asks Ezekiel this question in Ezekiel 37. He says, Ezekiel, can these bones live? You know what Ezekiel responds with? He says, Lord, you know. That's his answer. Lord, you know the answer to that. He doesn't even try to like come up with an answer for himself, right? He doesn't try to like, you know, think about it too deeply, like kind of do the equation, do the math or think of human reasoning. He just says, I don't know, you know. Right? And I kind of think about that when I think about Peter's response here. He's like, Master, uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense for us to go into deeper water. My nets aren't going to really work out there. It's not going to do any good. I've been fishing all night. But you know what? Because you said to do it, I'll do it. You ever have a moment in life like that? Where you just feel like, man, I don't think this makes sense to me. This, this, this isn't really necessarily logical to me. And yet, because Jesus asks me to do it, because Jesus is calling me to do it, because I know that his word has led me to this place, and his command is good and, and right and true. I'm going to listen and I'm going to obey. There may be times like that for us where it doesn't make a lot of earthly sense to do the things that God is calling us to do. And yet, God, you know. You, you know what can be done in this moment, right? You ever pray for somebody to be healed of something? Like those are those kind of moments, right? I'm just like, man, I, I don't know. I, don't, I can't heal anybody. That's not in me. I'm not a healer. But God is. God, you know. 
God, you know what this person needs. God, you can work in that, right? You ever thought about sharing the gospel with somebody? Is that person going to believe when you share the gospel with them? Do you know the answer to that? No, you don't know. But God knows. And maybe he's just calling you to do it. Actually, I'm telling you, he's calling you to do it, right? Share the gospel with somebody who doesn't know the gospel. You don't know the answer to that. You don't know how they're going to respond, but that's not your job. Peter didn't know how the fish were going to respond. It wasn't his job. His job was just to say, Master, okay, right? Maybe God wants you to start a new ministry of some sort in your life. Maybe he's calling you to be part of a growth group or lead a growth group next year. I don't know. What's going to happen with that? Maybe he wants you to start attending CR because you just need to ask for some help with something going on in life, and that's okay. And you don't know how that's going to turn out. You don't know what that's going to look like all the time. But God knows. And Peter's just in this place. Where he's like, I don't know, but okay, whatever. You know. Ezekiel, God, you know. Verses 6 and 7. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. I love this because as it says, their nets began to break and their boats began to sink. What are nets and boats to a fisherman? Everything, right? Nets and boats are all that you have. Nets and boats are the things that you rely on in your life. And what is happening to them? The nets are breaking, the boats are sinking. Isn't that kind of funny? That in this moment, Jesus has actually filled them so much with his miraculous power that the things that they would normally trust in more than any other things in their jobs are giving way, are failing right before their eyes. Almost as if to say, Jesus is the only thing we can really rely on here. Jesus is the only trustworthy one. Even in this moment, our nets and our boats, they're sinking, they're breaking because Jesus is so good. Here's just a truth for us before we move on in the story that I think we need to remember. Jesus is so good to us. Jesus loves us so much. Lean in right here. Jesus loves us so much that he may at times cause our nets to, to, to give way and our boats to sink. That's how much he loves us. You know why? Because then we get to see him more clearly. We get to know him more deeply. We get to rely on him and not the nets in the boats. You get me? Because that's the point. That's the point here. Jesus knows what's happening to the nets and the boats at the end of this story. They're going to leave them, and they're going to follow who? Jesus. Nets and the boats failing in this moment. Verses 8 through 10. Here's the, here's the point of the story. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Think about how Peter could have responded in this moment. Peter's whole life is catching fish, right? Peter lives in a region where the main economic thing is catching fish. He just met a man who can help him catch fish. Peter has met a cash cow. Peter has finally found his golden ticket. Peter could be thinking, this is the greatest business opportunity of my lifetime. I have met a man who could just simply say, go over there. I go over there. I throw out my nets. I catch fish. I make money. We all get rich and fat and happy, 
right? That would be an easy place to go in our minds. And I'll actually tell you this. There are preachers in this world who would tell you that that's what you should do. That when you see Jesus and the things that he can do for you, you cash in on it. But Peter goes exactly the opposite direction, doesn't he? He doesn't see Jesus as an opportunity. He doesn't see Jesus as a golden ticket. He doesn't see Jesus as a good business model. He doesn't see Jesus as a way to get rich quick. He just sees Jesus. And he comes and he falls at his feet. And he confesses his sins. He says, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Why? Because Peter saw what he was supposed to see here. That it wasn't about the gift it was about the giver of the gift. That's what Jesus wanted him to see. That Peter was so much more amazed with Jesus than he was with all the fish that he had just caught. So amazed, so overwhelmed to the point that he confesses sin, that he falls down in worship to Jesus, in submission to Jesus. It makes you think of another Old Testament story. Scott kind of referenced it a minute ago about Isaiah. I want to read this one. In Isaiah 6, the call of Isaiah, that he, he sees this vision of God in the temple. He's sort of high and lifted up and his robe fills the entire temple and there's smoke and there's angels. And it says the, the walls, the doorposts are shaking in the temple at the voice of the angels worshiping God. And Isaiah's in the midst of this and he, he's seeing God before him, kind of hidden by these clouds and surrounded by these angels in this massive worship service. And what does Isaiah say? Isaiah 6, verse 5, he says, Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Peter knows in this moment, he is seeing the King, the Lord Almighty. Something's different about this guy, right? And, and when he catches those fish and his boats are sinking and his nets are giving away, he's not focused on those things. He just turns back to the one who did that. Like he has the wherewithal in his mind to go, man, there's something about you that's different. Something about you that's amazing. And he just falls down. He confesses his sin and he, he lifts up Jesus, exalts, knows that Jesus is exactly who Isaiah said God was, the King, the Lord Almighty. And woe is me. Uh, you ever want to know what a really good way is to know if you really know Jesus? It's this. The better you know Jesus, the more aware and convicted of your sinfulness you will become. The better you know Jesus, the better you see Jesus. I, I've talked to so many uh, Christians, like older Christians who have walked with Jesus for a long time. And across the board, I have found that to be true. And if you're, you're kind of in that camp, like you've been walking with Jesus for some time, you know that's true, right? The older you get, you would think you would kind of get more comfortable. You, you would get more like satisfied. You would get, but I think the more older we get as we draw nearer to Jesus, we just see ourselves as more wretched sometimes, don't we? Like, man, I know my sinfulness. I know my brokenness. I know my helplessness. I know I need him more. I think Christian maturity is just growing in our need for Jesus. When we're young, we think we need him a little bit. When we're old, we know we need him for everything, right? And, and Peter just sees him in this moment. Oh, Jesus, 
I'm a sinful man. He's just like, man, get away from me. I can't even stand before you. Oh, we just sang that, right? Nobody can stand before the power and the presence of the great I am. Like he knew it. Do you know Jesus that way? And I'm not saying if we, if we know Jesus and we see Jesus for who he is, that we just have to be miserable people all the time. I don't think that's the point. But I think the point is that our eyes are kind of turned off of ourselves and onto him. And in the, the light of his goodness and the light of his holiness, we, we by comparison understand that we're just not, right? That he is and we're not, right? And, and I think that's, that's where Peter is in this moment. It's like going to the Grand Canyon or going to one of these amazing sites like the Sequoia Forest or something like that, right? You don't go to the Grand Canyon to build your self-esteem. You really don't. You go to the Grand Canyon to be amazed, right? Nobody stands on the edge of the Grand Canyon going, man, I'm, I'm pretty smart. I'm pretty good. Pretty, pretty good looking. Got a lot of stuff. Like you just stand there and you go, What? Like, I don't remember that day in the Sequoia Forest that I got to walk through that and see those streets. I don't remember, honestly, what was going on in my life that day. I really don't. I don't remember much about me at all. I remember the trees. I remember the majesty of that moment, right? And when Peter lays eyes on Jesus, he maybe for the first time realizes, honestly, yes, I'm a sinful man, but it's not about me. It's just about him because I see him for who he is. And I want to follow this guy, right? And he just, again, falls down on his knees. And what happens, right? What happens when we see Jesus like that? What happens when we see his holiness? Because that's the point of today, just seeing the holiness of Jesus, the greatness of Jesus. What happens when we see that? Well, two things for Peter. We already saw repentance, right? Where he falls down, he repents of sin, he confesses to Christ. Then something else happens here at the end of the story. It says, then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Repentance happened already, and now what? It's faith in Jesus. It's following Jesus, because he'd seen Jesus. You don't want to follow Jesus if you don't know Jesus. You're not going to want to follow Jesus. You haven't seen him for who he is, the beauty and the majesty and the holiness of who he is. When we're talking about Jesus, we're not just talking about a good guy. We're not talking about a good teacher. We're not talking about a good prophet. We're talking about God, the I am, the creator of all things, the holy one, the king, the Lord almighty, who in the, the presence of him makes us want to fall down in submission and reverence and awe of him and then follow him with our lives. And that's what Peter has seen, right? He's seen Jesus like that. And now he wants to fall. I don't know. You know, they get that massive catch. And if you read Matthew and Mark, it actually says like, he doesn't go, those two don't tell the whole story like Luke does. He tells the story of the great catch of fish. Matthew and Mark just say that when Peter started following Jesus, it says immediately he left his nets in his boat and followed Jesus. That makes me think that after this great catch of fish, they left him there. They caught all those fish and then Peter just left them there. Why? Because he saw Jesus, right? Like what in our lives are we willing to leave behind for Jesus? Again, anybody else in the world, anybody who hadn't seen Jesus like, Jesus like this, they're, they're, they're taking the fish first, right? They're getting those fish. They're counting the fish. They're cashing in on the fish. And I don't know, but I, I just think they didn't. It, Mark and Matthew, they both say immediately. They're like, okay, I'm done. Let's go follow this guy because that's what I want. Do you want the world? Do you want the things that the world can offer? 
And I've said this before and I'll say it again. You want the world and you want the stuff of the world, guess what? You can get it if you want it. You try hard enough, you'll probably get it. And if you want Jesus, leave the boats, leave the nets, leave the fish, and go follow him. Give everything for him. That's what I want us to be as a church. That's what I want to be as a man. That's what I want for you, that you would be that kind of person that would willingly, gladly just say, you know what? I, I see what I have here, but man, I just want to follow Jesus. So the band's going to come back out, and we're going to sing more this morning. We're going to sing more to Jesus um, because he deserves our worship. He deserves our praise. Um, Man, I just want us to think about that this morning for ourselves. How do we see Jesus? What do we think about Jesus? When you think about Jesus, where does your heart go? Where does your mind go? Is he someone that is just to be used for your advantage in this life? Again, Peter could have went there real easily. This guy can help me get what I want for myself. Is Peter, or is is Jesus just somebody who can help your life be what you want your life to be in this world? Or is Jesus your life? Is he your whole life? Is he the one that you would give up everything else to follow? Is he the one that you would lay down the opportunity for riches to follow? Is he the one that you would give up earthly gain and worldly pleasures and popularity and praise and fame? Would you give that up to follow Jesus? I would submit to you, that's exactly what he's calling us to do every day. And if you're a follower of Jesus, that's the walk that he's calling you to walk. That's the decision he's calling you to make today and tomorrow and every other day. What does he say in Luke 9? He says, take up your cross daily and follow me every day. And we lay it down, whatever those things are for us, in the simple decisions, in the harder decisions, whether it's just row out a little ways or whether it's put down your nets in deep water. If it makes sense, if it doesn't make sense. Jesus is just saying, that's not the point. The point is, follow me come after me. And he told Peter, I'm going to make you a fisher for men. Right? Guess what? Peter caught way more men than he ever caught fish. Way more. He preached one sermon in Acts and 3,000 that day came to Jesus. That's what Jesus can do. So I'm just calling you to follow Jesus. Listen, some of you in this room have been following Jesus. I would just ask you this. Is there an area in your life that you need to be obedient in right now? Again, maybe it's the simple things, maybe it's the harder things. Is there something right now as you're thinking about your walk with Christ that you need to be obedient in, that you've not been obedient in? And then for others in this room, you're not following Jesus right now. You haven't given your life to him yet. You haven't kind of stepped into that boat with Christ and then left the world behind to follow him. You haven't done that. You haven't made that decision. I would invite you to do that today. You can do that right now. That if you believe that that same Jesus who did that miracle with Peter, that a few years later he would go to the cross and he would die on that cross and he died on that cross for Peter's sins. He died on that cross for your sins and my sins. And then three days later after that, he rose again from the dead. That if you believe that and you want to follow that Jesus, you can do that today. We have four baptisms happening in second service, but if we need to have one this service, we can. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing. I'm going to worship Jesus. 
And if you want to come down for prayer, you're welcome to do that always. Please come down and, and, and pray. But I want to give a specific invitation to anybody in this room today who wants to follow Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior for the first time. Maybe you want to be baptized today. We have extra towels. We have extra shirts and shorts. We're going to do this from now on. I'm just telling you, this is who we're going to be as a church. We're going to make this invitation and say, you want to follow Jesus? You do it now. You choose him today. You leave your nets now, immediately. You leave the boats now. I mean, it's not about tomorrow. It's not about next week. It's not about when you get your stuff together. Peter didn't have his stuff together. He didn't have anything together. He just wanted to follow Jesus. If you want to follow Jesus today, I'm going to stand by that cross. You are welcome to come talk to me uh, during while we sing. I'd love to talk with you about that if you want to make that decision. Let's pray together. Lord, God, we do thank you and love you for who you are. Thank you for your son. Thank you for his salvation. God, let us all in this place leave our boats, leave our nets, forget the world behind us and press on forward towards Jesus. Let us follow him. Let us follow him wherever he leads us in all things. By faith in his blood on the cross, by faith in his resurrection from the dead, let us follow your son, Jesus, the Holy One, God, the Holy One, your son that you sent for our salvation. Thank you for him. In Jesus' name.